100% born in the Appalachian Mountains and made in the USA, Timber Ninja Outdoors provides a range of mobile hunting options to accommodate diverse hunting preferences. Whether you prioritize comfort, lightweight design, or versatility, their two-panel and single-panel saddles collection has something for everyone. The Black Belt Nano is the lightest single-panel saddle available on the market, weighing in under a pound. The saddle is designed with the minimalist hunter in mind, focusing on lightweight functionality and breathability. One notable feature is the patent-pending magnetic stick clip system on the side, which allows for convenient transportation of sticks up the tree, as well as a built-in platform holder. The Nano Saddle can be folded up to the size of a Nalgene bottle, enabling easy portability. With a four-way stretch material on the back for a comfortable fit, as well as strategically placed padding for hip pinch relief. You can use code EASTMEETSWEST to get free shipping on any Timber Ninja order. If you try it out and don't like it, send it back within 30 days for a full refund. Learn more at TimberNinjaOutdoors.com and sign up for their email newsletter for exclusive discounts and product drops. When it comes to optics, I get the same question over and over again. What are the best all-around binoculars? Well, it's tough to find something that works in every condition great, but after using a pair of Maven B1.2 10x42s, I think I found them. They feature an 8x or a 10x option, superior low light performance, tack sharp edge-to-edge clarity, a generous depth of field, and a silky focus mechanism. All of Maven Optics have a lifetime no-fault warranty and hail from the great state of Wyoming. I've been using Maven Optics since I bought my first pair in 2017, and I think you should test them out for yourself. Head over to mavenbuilt.com and use the code EASTMEETSWEST-GIFT for a free gift with any full price optics order. For all of those that want a truck bed cover for work or play, Diamondback makes the top of the line heavy duty covers that help you do more with your truck. They're perfect for the truck owning, avid sportsmen, outdoor enthusiasts, and weekend project warriors. I'm currently using the HD cover that can is capable of holding up to 1,600 pounds on the top. And then I have the Yakima overhaul HD bars on top so I can put my rooftop tent on it. When I'm not using my rooftop tent and able to use the trifold design of the Diamondback, I have the Crossbin 8 in there to organize all of my stuff in the back of my truck bed. Diamondback is made right here in Phillipsburg, Pennsylvania. If you want to check them out, head over to diamondbackcovers.com. If you've wanted that hunting camp tradition that we talk about, that experience, but you don't have a hunting camp of your own, you're welcome to come stay at my hunting camp up here in the Pennsylvania wilds called the Elk Crossing Getaway in the PA wilds. So if you go over to Airbnb, you can check out our three-bedroom, one-and-a-half-bath house that's right in the heart of Pennsylvania elk country. It's only minutes away from a bunch of public land to be able to hunt, hiking trails, outdoor recreation, fishing, all of those things there. The house is completely fully stocked with everything that you need to be able to, to spend a week hunting deer, taking your family up to see the elk, anything like that. So if you head over to Airbnb and search Elk Cross and Getaway in the PA Wilds, you'll find my listing there and you can rent out my house to send us a message and inquiry that you're interested in it and mention that you heard it on the podcast here, then we'll get you 10% off of your first day. Are you an adventurer looking to take your hunt to the next level? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. 
Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the East Meets West Hunt podcast presented by Spartan Forge. On today's episode, I am joined by Christian Schaaf, founder and CEO of Uncharted Supply Company. Uncharted is a manufacturer of high quality survival systems and products made to empower you with the proper gear and education to help guide you back to safety in an unanticipated emergency. So we discuss preparedness and safety in the backcountry, front country, and in your vehicle to help you before hunting season gets kicked off. So Christian's become a good friend of mine over the years, and uh, I hope that you enjoy this episode. He's got a lot of valuable information and some cool products. Uh, I just bought their first aid kit and uh, kind of using it modified my own to build my own kit and going to be taking the rapid raft up to, to Alaska here. So pretty cool stuff. Uh, it's, it's been a pleasure to learn from Christian and uh, get to see it. So I hope you enjoy this episode. On this week's Mountain Buck Monday story of the week, we have a story coming from Grant Phillips out of New York. So Grant wrote him, on November 12th, 2022, I went to the Delaware State Forest in the Catskills for only the second time ever and hiked three miles into a section I had only e-scouted. I identified three locations of interest and decided to stop at my third choice after I jumped a few doe on top of the drainage that led to a thick swamp. My observations from my last hunt here, plus all the knowledge I acquired from the podcast, led me to believe that a buck would be nearby, maybe bedded in the swamp, and he would come up the drainage to cruise the ridge, ridge tops chasing a doe. I changed my clothes and hung my lock on at the intersection of the drainage and the ridge. My call sequence was one bleep and rattle with a pause, followed by another rattle. It wasn't too long until this guy came sneaking in looking for a fight. It took me a while to see him because of the thick fog, so I couldn't even see his antlers until about 20 yards. He paused when I drew, and I put an iron wheel V100 right through his heart. For a second, I thought I had missed, but then I heard a loud crash, and then I found him 30 yards from impact. I quartered him up, and it took me two trips to get him plus all my gear back to the truck. The hunt totaled 12 miles. He really made me work for it in the mountains. It was a hard hunt, but it's the kind of hunt that I love. And it came only six days after harvesting a PA buck on a farm. Love the podcast and can't wait to learn more from your experiences. Grant, well, that is an awesome story and super cool to your first out-of-state trip, going in and, and packing in there like that and just basically from e-scouting and being able to learn from that and get in there and, and make it happen and being able to call it in. So awesome. Such a great buck. If you want to go check it out, you can head over to East Meets West Hunt on Instagram or East Meets West Outdoors on Facebook and check it out. Congratulations again, Grant. And if you guys want to send in your story, successful mountain buck story, send it to my email, boateastmeetswesthunt.com. Love to be able to share the photos on social media and the story here on the podcast. Um, the only thing that I have updated for this week is uh, just getting the final prep here for uh, Alaska moose. So I leave next week. Uh, if you're listening to this live, um, I leave September 5th to head up to Alaska and yeah, chase moose moose for a couple weeks, and uh, I'm super excited about it. Lot, a lot, a lot of planning going into this one. It's a DIY hunt, uh, as far as the gear and the logistics and everything. And I'm worried, but I think I think we got it figured out. 
you know, it's just one of those things you get nervous before um, a big trip and thinking you're forgetting something or whatever. But I feel like I got everything pretty dialed. I'm really looking forward to it. So with that being said, I hope you guys enjoy this podcast with Christian. And uh, if you like it, please feel free to share it with your friends, family, your friends on social media. It all goes a long ways. Thank you and have a great rest of your week. All right, we're live. Christian Schaff, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, man. Good yeah, to be doing this. Yeah, it's good to good to get to have you on. We, um, uh, I guess, got to know each other over the last couple of years quite a bit. I've yep. been looking to do this with you in person versus, you know, online because we do spend a decent amount of time around each other. But usually these it's usually events, busy. yeah, it's so busy. And like by the end of the night, you're talking, you're talking all day and doing this stuff. It's like you really don't want to sit down and <laughs> you've talked out. You're like talked out, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm. Uh, my life's been pretty, you know, small business for years and single, and it's like I, I've gotten bad at just talking a lot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like I've, I realize it's like a skill that you develop when you're in social settings a lot. You yeah. learn to just like build up that talk muscle and i'm pretty bad at it so i'll do my best here man yeah no man i think i think you'll do just fine but we i I like to keep it pretty uh conversational although i do have some have some questions for you that are more interview style but mostly just kind of keep it keep it conversational and you know it's 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 funny because we were we've like i said we got to know each other over the last couple years but you know your company uncharted supply company is like right up the realm of like what my previous kind of work was with and, and safety and preparedness and doing those types of things from, and then also from the standpoint of, you know, from I've kind of carried that over into the the podcast and helping people plan. And it was like, man, you gotta, it's a perfect, perfect guest to be able to come on. Heck yeah, man. So let's, I wanted to talk just a little bit as we got started here, kind of a little bit about your background who you are kind of like from a from a hunting perspective and then also from a, a business perspective because that that's was been interesting to me and as i've gotten to know you uh, i feel like i keep learning more and more <laughs> <laughs> um my life has been all over the place but the weird thing is it's all really dovetailed into what i'm doing now i really feel like this is what i was kind of learning and building up towards my whole life. So that makes me feel really confident in what we're doing and how I'm spending my time. But my story, um, I grew up in Northwest Wisconsin in a town called Barron, which if anybody knows me, they know my dog Barron. And yeah. they're always like, oh, that's that's your dog's name. Yeah, he's named after where I grew up, which I thought was fun. Um, <clears throat> a dairy farm, uh, crops. My great-grandpa had started a wood shavings business where he'd drive up to the North shores of Minneapolis or Minnesota and um, like get wood shavings from these paper mills and lumber mills and use that for animal bedding. So we had several businesses on the farm. We had uh, canola seed, like we'd turn into biodiesel, um, a lot of crops, cattle, the shavings business. And so I grew up working pretty hard. Yeah. My parents were very entrepreneurial and uh, I think that stuck with me a little bit too, but yeah, grew up on a dairy farm. I uh, went to school at the university of Wisconsin, Madison. After that, I, uh, I moved to Menominee, Wisconsin for a job for a little bit, but I was playing in a band with my brother and some friends and was just like, I'm going to stick with us until it stops growing. And it just kept growing. So I did that for like 10 years, um, ended up putting three albums out. I mean, we, we worked with guys like Prince and shared a practice space with soul asylum and we were in the whole Minneapolis, like nice music scene. So, uh, it was, it was really a interesting chapter of life to be playing in a rock band and just touring around. We ended up doing... We ended up playing in 20 or 30 countries when it was all said and done. 
um, really big shows. I mean, we did the, we did a national anthem in a NASCAR race once. It was like 176,000 people, like pretty pretty nutso live on ESPN. Um, what was the name of your band? The band's name was Catch Penny, and we you know we had nobody's ever heard of us because we had we had opportunities to talk with record labels and stuff, but those contracts were slavery contracts, and we were just making money playing in a band kind of regionally and you know branching out from there here and there and just kind of that was the path we took and so uh i don't think anybody listening to this podcast knew who we were but it was a fun rip and towards the end of it um we were at south by southwest playing which is a big music festival and we got approached by the guys from the pentagon desk they asked us to go play for the troops overseas so um we're like, yeah, let's let's do it. So our first trip, I think it was three, three and a half weeks. We went through four or five countries in the Middle East, Kuwait, Qatar, Iraq, you know, places like that. Yeah. Um, got to know the people over there really well. Uh, we, 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 we went over really well. I, I'll never forget. We, we flew out to this base called Camp Korean Village, and they hadn't had entertainment for a long time. And we, you know, we're green. We haven't done this before. Yeah. Five guys in a band. We fly out in these Ospreys. We land at this base. I'm sitting in the dining facility looking around. I'm like, it's all dudes here. It's all sober dudes here. Yeah. And they just brought five guys in to sing for him. I'm like, <laughs> this is so freaking awkward, right? I'm like, what do I do? I'm like, start sweating. I'm yeah. like, oh my gosh, what did I sign up for? Um, and I looked across the dining facility and there's this like, you know, like a refrigerator with a sliding glass doors and it's full of like O'Doul's beer, like non-alcoholic yeah, non-alcoholic. <laughs> and I was like, can I get three or four cases of beer brought to the stage. And they were like, these kids are crazy. Like whatever, you know, pound, non out, non any, any beers. So we get up on stage and, um, I'm like, let's just play some fun cover. Let's play some Led Zeppelin. Like, let's make this fun for these guys. Yeah. And we had, we handed all the beers. We had this big beer spraying fight and people started stage diving and it just turned into a party. Yeah. And it was really with non-alcoholic fun. beer. With non-alcoholic beer, yeah, but, that's you know, those awesome. guys just needed like a little bit of a light to light their fuse, and you know they were running up and jumping off. We throw them our guitars and they play songs. And so, anyways, long, this is a long story. It's a podcast. We'll just tell it. But yeah, um, the guy who's in charge of all the programs was like, "This is the best show I've ever seen, and you guys got to come back more and more." And so I started talking to him, trying to figure out, well, what's uh, what's the hardest part about your job? And at the time, there were 340 bases roughly and only 30 were getting entertainment because it was too dangerous to convoy and so you had to fly and they were using these PA systems out of Kuwait that were super big and old and they'd only fit into like a C-130 so a big airplane which yeah. which necessitates a big landing strip so all these little bases didn't have landing strips couldn't get in so we went home and figured out how to fit a PA system into a Black Hawk helicopter which allowed us to tell these bases so for the next 10 years speeding along um, we did a lot of work in providing entertainment for all the troops overseas so I went over like 39 times personally my band ended up doing 150 shows named Armed Forces Entertainers of the Year but we also sent um, a thing called Bikes Over Baghdad we'd build skate parks at the bases and I'd take all the X Games guys over um, I'd, we'd guide around Hoobastank or System of a Down or you know, yeah. Spin Doctors like I'd go over with them and I'd be responsible for their safety. And, you know, you get into Blackhawks and fly into some, some little base and then <laughs> a firefight would break out and you thought you're going to be there four hours and you're there three days. So this is all leading into my current well, company. I want to, I want to add something yeah. there because, uh, the, the bikes over Baghdad, that was something where, where I was telling you my brother who was in the air force, uh, was, 
when he was overseas, he's like, when we were at the Pennsylvania total archery challenge, he's like, man, he's like, uh, he's like, that name is familiar. And he was talking about you and everything. He's like, I feel like, I I think he had heard you on a podcast or something before talking about. It. He's like, I've watched those shows. He's yeah. like, I've watched the bikes over Baghdad shows. It was just so funny. That's so how, cool, man. You know, now you know both in different lives at the, at this point. But it was just it was kind of funny. It was it was an amazing experience, and as fun as playing in my band was, the BMX tours lit people up. Just mm-hmm. huge crowds, and um, they had a lot of fun with that. So that was that was a really fun chapter. But you know, leading to my business now, which is kind of preparedness and emergency and safety and thoughtfulness, like. I spent 10 years taking people through war zones, looking out for them. And that really taught me a lot and kind of programmed me in that way. So when I was home, I helped my buddy, Joe Heron, start a company called Crispin. It was a hard apple cider company. We sold that to Miller Coors. Uh, And then on these tours, we started getting sponsors like Harley Davidson and GoPro and brands like that. And so that was going so well, they'd asked me to do other stuff when I was home stateside. So, you know, my life has been all over the place, right? I was doing music, I was doing marketing, I started a cider company. Uh, (laughs) I was doing like, you know, some work for Harley Davidson and GoPro. And long story short, the war, you know, drew down. So that that slowed down dramatically. And um, I ended up moving to Southern California because I had, oh, I got an apartment out there because there was four or five clients out there that I was working with. Ended up taking a full-time job. Uh, didn't really like it a couple of years in, just wasn't, wasn't my cup of tea yeah. and um, was like, what's next? And I'd always wanted to be in the outdoor industry. I loved hunting. I loved mountain climbing and skiing and biking. And, um, <clears throat> you know, at the same time I was coming from a farming and military experience into Southern California where, uh, you know, anybody listening from California, I'm sorry if it sounds like I'm ragging on you, but my experience was everybody there was kind of looking to push the easy button anytime something bad happened, like somebody else is going to fix a problem. Yeah. And it was just the first time I was around uh, a large group of people or society where that was the mentality versus let's fix it. Yeah. And it just hit me across the face like, wow, nobody's really thinking about the space of like providing emergency supplies for people and helping people navigate the unforeseen things that happen every day. So I kind of leaned into it, did a bunch of research, um, and then started Uncharted. Yeah. And that was what you were talking about. It was like five or six years ago, Yeah, about six years ago, about yeah. six years yeah. ago that you had started that. No. And that, and that, that was, that was so cool because again, like with my background with these things, that's what drew me to you and your company like from right off the bat when I first saw it not not only is the cool logo uh, <laughs> yeah. with the dog and um but just like the the products that you have were very specific as far as for being able to help you but in a wide variety of things based on you know your vehicle whether you're hunting all of these different things you know one one mistake that I had made um years ago even with with uh the thought process I had and the the background I had in safety and training and preparedness and that stuff was I had, you know, one first aid kit that I'd transfer between all my, mm-hmm. all my different things. I've talked about this on the podcast before then, but I'd always forget it. It'd be in like my hunting bag right. and then I wouldn't have it here. So like, you know, as I've come along, it's like, okay, I have specific kits that are built for, yeah. you know, each, each application. And I, I got questions on that last year. I did like a, uh, a hunting, my truck is how I set it up for hunting, go on these trips and like all yep, the stuff so that I, I carry and, and stuff there. And it was just like, that was, uh, an, an interesting, interesting part of it. But yeah, I mean, <clears throat> when I started, the thing I realized was, you know, you look at first aid kits and you look at bug out bags, survival kits, if you want a survival kit, you're going to end up in a military surplus store. And it's like some dusty backpack they couldn't sell full of stuff they couldn't sell. Like I literally, I bought a bunch of them because I wanted to see if people had them. I'll never forget. I bought one at a blow dart gun with three darts in it. 
<laughs> like, <laughs> what is this, the attack of the squirrels? You get one practice shot? Yeah. Like, uh, you know, what are you going to use that for? Um, and then ban- and then the first aid stuff, you, know, you go to Walmart or Target and it's like a 500 piece kit and it's 400 band-aids, but like 400 band-aids never fixed anything. Yep. Um, so, you know, when we build products to your point about specific for the use case, I really try to reverse engineer from the time of, okay, here's the accident. Like what do people need? What are they actually going to carry? I mean, you've seen our products. We've got stuff from 130 grams, which is lighter than your iPhone that is designed to be on you 24 seven up to 16 pound kits that you can keep in your car or on a shelf, but they're still pretty easy to carry if you got to move. So we've got everything in between. We've got car kits. We've got stuff for dogs coming out. We've got personal things, but the reality is we try to build kits that have a very wide range of coverage, but does it once or twice. Versus yep. like a hundred band-aids. And I think that's the right thing. Cause if you're going to have an injury, you're probably going to go home and then you restock and then you're good to go. Yep. So uh, we try to think of it that way because you don't want to carry 40 pounds of crap. It's, you're going to leave that. If you're going to go hunting right now, you're going to go hike up these hills. And I'm like, take a first aid kit. It's five pounds. And you'll be like, eh. Yeah. No, it's roll like the dice. my first first aid kit that I had for going out West was uh, well, a kit I bought from Walmart. Yep. And, you know, and it was like this big thick thing that had, yeah, like I said, a million band-aids and, random shit in there that it's it was the size of your tent yeah yeah and I, and I end up like taking like most of it out anyways yeah. and then putting it in a different bag and it was just like i started like learning like okay first of all if i don't know how to use certain things it's not going to be any it's not beneficial to me at all true <laughs> so, true like true. It, being able to learn that and that's why i had taken some you know not i haven't taken any wilderness first aid which is on my list of things i want to do but just some basic yeah. first aid cpr all that type of you know type of you know, it's Classes. Americans, I know, maybe everybody, they're reactive, not proactive. Yeah. Uh, and, and we've had the luxury of becoming that way. Yep. Like, I'm hungry. Okay, well, push a button. Food's going to be here in five minutes. Used to be like you had to plan ahead and get some food for the winter or you're yep. going to die. It's kind of the same thing with emergency stuff. Everybody just expects that they're going to hit a button and emergency services are going to show up. But a lot of the places you and I spend a lot of time... That's not happening. No. So you have to be self-sufficient for yourself and for someone else. And I, you know, everybody thinks I'm some kind of doomsday prepper bunker guy. Like I am not at all. (laughs) I just, I'm a guy, you know, they all say mess with the bully, get the horns. Like I've gotten the horns a lot. Like I've just done a lot of stuff. I've been injured a ton. My dog's been injured. My friends have been in. And it's not that we're bad. We're just, we're just out there doing things like you are. Things happen. And, um, you know, when I go to the events and we sell, it's like the people that always get it right away, right away are like the military, the first responders, the ski patrol guys that have been around that stuff. They realize how easy it can happen. Yeah. So my mission is to try to educate people and let them know, Hey, and convince them that, Hey, I'm going to take this stuff with me before they have to have a bad experience that convinces them otherwise. Yeah, no, no, you're, you're, you're spot on. And it's so easy to, like you said, and even to overlook little things like the other day we went for a trail run in the morning, yeah. you know, we went, me, you and Eric, we went for a trail run way back down. We were actually just talking about BMX we were, yeah. and I uh, wasn't paying attention. And, and, uh, I, uh, rolled my ankle coming down off the hill pretty good. And, uh, you know, but it, I, luckily we weren't too far from where we were staying at, but even when we got down there, it was like, you know, you had the wrap and everything we wrapped it up. It got me, I was able to keep doing my thing yeah. throughout the, throughout the day. There's little things that can happen. And I've rolled my ankle like a thousand time yeah. i've got pins in one so just another thing where it's like experience is a wonderful teacher and i will say you gave me some really good advice for so i've rolled my ankle a ton of times and never really knew the right process as mm-hmm. far as like getting through that you kept telling me you're like keep moving on it you know lightly not you know just 
keep moving it, keep it loose, and then put ice on it. And I kept moving some more in an ice. And then the next day, I mean, I didn't know if I was going <laughs> to be doing too much the rest right. of this week. And it's, it's, it's healing up pretty good. But yeah. And that comes from me being way the F out there, <laughs> yeah. rolling my ankle and being like, I guess I got to walk home. And then I get home and it's like, huh, it actually feels better. Yeah. You know, versus you do it at the gym and you immediately put your foot up and you ice it and then it locks up and you take stays. So Again, experience is a wonderful teacher and I would recommend everybody turn to somebody that had, like, I, you know, I talk to Barklow a lot and like, I like to absorb from those guys. They've seen things, they've done things. Like I want to know how to handle things from their experience, not have to live it firsthand. Yeah. I, and, and for anyone that's listening or watching, there'll be a pretty cool video coming out down the road with you and Barklow mm -hmm. kind of going through your kits and yeah. explaining, you know, someone like Barklow that's been all the world and different scenarios and the way that you have and the way you think about building out these kits and going through it. It's pretty, I, I think it'll be pretty cool. I'm excited to see yeah, it. Yeah, it was a fun, out. a fun conversation. I really look up to that guy and he has a, a wealth of experience. And so, uh, yeah, it's almost a little intimidating to be yeah. just conversationally talking to him about this stuff. Cause mostly I have questions, Yeah, but, uh, I think we, we actually both learned some stuff and it was really fun. I think it's going to be very informative. So yeah, it was good. So I, I wanted uh, to ask you about your four pillars yeah. that you have and kind of just look at that a little bit. Sure. So where that started, what four pillars is, it's a bi-weekly email we push out with four like little blog form, you know, articles for people. It's absolutely free. And where this came from was I, I get a lot of emails and direct messages from people that are like, okay, I'm freaked out. I'm in, what do I buy? And if I was like, oh, go, go buy our 72 pro and you're good. I'd be completely dishonest, right? Yep. Uh, tools are part of it for sure. But that bothered me because we were selling products, but I definitely believe in education and, and all these different things. So long story short, I, I went down to Phoenix. I met with my buddy, Travis Haley, who's a really well-known former force recon Marine and just a brilliant guy. And we were going to do a podcast and he was like, let's, let's break this down. I'm like, let's, let's build this out. So we whiteboarded for like a day and a half, like all everything from changing a car tire to the best dog for home protection. If you have a little kid to how to grow a guard, like all these things. And yeah. then basically we were able to funnel them into four pillars. And what the four pillars are is resources. So that's like gear resourcefulness. Can you, if you have a fishing pole, can you catch a fish um, community and then mental and physical fitness? And our belief was, you know, it doesn't, everybody's got different experiences. They're good in some areas. They're, they're light in other areas. So it's not like a program where you start at day one, you have to follow this regimented plan, but it's just, they're just articles on like, Hey, have you ever thought about like, here's how to, how to get warm. Like, you know, John just did an article for us on, yeah. on rewarming. Right. So here's a great skill to have. If you don't have it, put it in your toolbox. And my goal is to help people kind of build up these toolboxes of not only getting better physical fitness and maybe mental physical, mental you know, durability, but, um, thinking about the gear they have, they need to add some things. Do they, do they know how to like change a car tire? Maybe you should go practice before it's 20 below zero and you're all alone and your hands are frozen. So the idea there is just to stack a bunch of knowledge for people. It's absolutely free. We bring in people like John, like Michael Easter, who wrote the comfort crisis, guys like that are contributing. And, Love Michael. Um, yeah, he's a good buddy. And I, 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 I'm here just trying to like, I want to lay in my deathbed someday and be like, we saved a bunch of lives. Yeah. For me, that's, that's the goal. And so however I can do that, I mean, we obviously have to make money and keep the lights on, but I'm trying to do everything I can to just support that mission. No, and I love that you're doing that because like education is so strong with me. And that's like what my whole goal of everything I'm doing here is education, education, help 
build skills, whether it's hunting skills, whether it's any any type of skills that can help make somebody better or, you know, be prepared for a particular situation, have success, live a better life. And when it, when it comes down to the, to the roots of it, I guess, but that, I think that that educational standpoint is so big and I'm always constantly trying to learn and, and see what, you know, what others are doing and thinking about, because like that is one, one thing, like I, I actually just thought about this the other day. I bought a new truck. Okay. So I'm like, I haven't even really looked to where my jack is, jack is yeah. and like how that works. You know, right. I, put a, I, put a, I put a lift and bigger tires on. Is that jack still going to work with it? You know, you start thinking about these. I, I was thinking about that actually on the way here. And I was like, I got some work to do to, yeah. I don't want to be in the middle of nowhere in Utah. And all of a sudden I break down and by myself, there's no cell service. You know, what, you know, what am I going to do to, to be able to go through those things? And like, you have to become like a student of wanting to just l- continually learn and acquire skills and yep. learn new things. I, I said this the other day in talking to John, but, um, I, I always go back to how people say they practice yoga. And I love that saying, because that means you've never fully become an expert. Yeah. You're always practicing. You're always getting better. And, and you know, like my PR team. So I was like, oh, Christian, he's a survival expert. I'm like, please don't say that because <laughs> I don't want, I, I don't think of myself that way. I think of myself as somebody that thinks about it a lot and is acquiring skills, but has a lot to learn. And I, I think as long as you stay hungry about that, that keeps you on an edge that's going to always help you kind of, like you just said, if you, if you're like, I'm an expert, I got this. You might not worry about your Jack. Like I can figure it out, but that's the wrong mentality. That's a hundred percent. The wrong mentality. always, it's like hunting, right? you like, you can, you can have all your skills and like totally dialed. And then some bull elk will do something that'll teach you something new. Have you ever wanted to have Levi Morgan, Andy May, Johnny Stewart, and others available at all times? Well, you can with CyberScout from Spartan Forge. CyberScout is like the chat GPT for outdoors men and women. You can ask it any questions related to bow building, scouting, hunting, survival, and a whole lot more. I think you'll be impressed with how it responds. CyberScout is currently out now for a select group of early beta testers and will be available to the rest of you really soon. The entire app is a complete tool for planning your hunt with incredible aerial imagery mapping, journaling, deer prediction, and some of the most accurate and detailed weather data. Use the code EASTMEETSWEST to save 20%, and if you're still on the fence, give the 14-day free trial a chance at SpartanForge.ai. CVA has been America's number one selling muzzleloader brand for over a decade. Hunting with a muzzleloader opens up a ton of hunting opportunities across the U.S., and I've been using the Acura series. But they don't only make badass muzzleloaders. Their line of centerfire rifles are great quality and not terrible on the wallet. The Cascade short barrel is ideal for tight quarters, deer drives, and quick shots in the big woods. You can check out their line of muzzleloaders, rifles, and accessories for every season and every range at bpioutdoors.com slash CVA. If you use the code EASTMEETSWEST10, you'll get 10% off of all CVA products, which includes rifles, muzzleloaders, and accessories. Yeah. No. And like, for example, I'm planning to go to Alaska here shortly. And it was like, I've set up a tent million times i've you know i've done these things but i still get out my gear and go through it again before i go and just like okay do i make sure do i have all my stakes do i have all this stuff get it because for me the whole planning part is to make a better experience of these things that you want to do you want like alaska for me going on a moose hunt that's like a dream hunt for me a bucket list thing I want to have the best experience possible. And I know things are going to come up that yep. are going to try to yep. derail that. What can I do ahead of time to make sure that 
that derailing is the least uh, impactful on the on the whole trip. I'd be curious what you are doing to plan for for this hunt because I, here's here's what I do. Like yeah. I've had an Alaska hunt in the past or British Columbia. You're so excited for months leading up. Like I, I'm first. So first, it's like physical fitness. The better in shape you are, the quicker you can move. The the less tired you're going to be at the end of the day. I mean, those are physical physical endeavors. And if you're just smoked, it's going to compromise your shot. It's going to compromise maybe your ability to close the distance when it really matters. So I get up in the mornings and I. I work out and in the winter I'll run on a treadmill and I will watch YouTube videos of whatever species I'm hunting in whatever uh, environment I'm hunting in. Cause I want to know what the weather's like. I want to know what that grass looks like. I want to know how those animals are acting. So when I get there, it's like, I've seen this before. It's not totally new. Yep. And if you have these things that like are a little more familiar, it allows your brain to worry about the things that are going to pop up that you didn't plan for. Yep. So as long, you know, as well as a gear, it's like a mental preparation. It's almost like visualization. And then it's like getting yourself in the best shape you can and, I, I do a lot of things like that just to make sure when I show up, it's like I've given myself every advantage I can. Because to your point, if your brain is really busy trying to figure out a bunch of things in the moment, you're going to fall short on the things that you want to be focused on, which is probably making a good shot or whatever it is. Yeah. And and so I, I'll, I'll start broad and then I'll kind of get into specifics with this. Yeah. Huh? But what I've learned, this actually came from me starting to do Western hunting and I've learned from people like Mark Livesey, who are big on hunt planning and, and he does it like mostly with the e-scouting aspect. And then Barklow too, is I've molded, like even for my whitetail hunts at home, places I've hunted my whole life, I create these hunt plans that, that I go through and my hunt plans consist of three to five areas that I plan to hunt with three to five specific locations within them. And for whitetail specifically, it's like, okay, these specific locations, what wind directions do right. I need? What's my access look like? And I have all this stuff laid out. So then when I get into it and all of a sudden there's all these people there and I, you know, the spot's blown out or, or maybe there was a, it was a drought and the food's not there, whatever it might be, I can shift by looking at this and not getting stressed and be like, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. Cause I've done this out yep. West. Yep. I went in and I couldn't find elk in a place I was supposed to. And I had to drive an hour and a half to go get cell service back in town. And get I'm trying plan. to redownload maps yeah, and find yeah, yeah. a new area to go yep. to. And it was, it was terrible. So I look at that, but the other portion of my hunt plan is I have like a full on emergency list of like, where are the nearest gas stations? That's where great. is the nearest laundry mats? Where are the nearest food? You know, where can I get ice at? Where's the, the taxidermy? Mm -hmm. Where's the, mm -hmm. where can I, the butcher shops, hotels? I mean, everything. And I have addresses, phone numbers, all that stuff listed out and have it there. But I also have, so I, and I print it out and I have a copy in my first aid kit. Cool. I have a copy in my truck and then I give one to my hunting partner. So like, Great. and like in an emergency contact. So if I were to get hurt and I was unconscious, who would be the people that need to be notified to, to be able to go through that? And I, it's gives me a peace of mind. I have this list to go through. I do it, whether I'm elk hunting, whether I'm deer hunting, Alaska is a little different where I'm going to be in one spot. So the area thing's not, not as much, but still having these, these plans listed out. And then I actually just use John's, uh, John's uh, checklist for hunts that he, he has for knowledge from storms to go through and look at other things, making sure downloading all my maps for on my phone that I have a backup. So I'll have an inReach that has mapping. Yep. My watch has mapping on. Yeah. So I have, yeah. you know, three different ways of backing up these, these, uh, things to, to be able to go into it, have all that stuff dialed ahead of time before I go. So I'm not thinking about it. That's not a, a problem with it. But then, like you said, so like 
I, I, I work with uh, a trainer, Todd Bumgardner, the human predator pack mule, and he helps me with the training program for getting ready to go out. So I'm doing some sort of training, you know, every day yep. as far as my, a physical fitness standpoint. And sometimes it's some of them hard workouts, some of them aren't, they're just getting, building that consistency and being able to do that. But like you said, the same thing, if I'm doing anything on a treadmill or if I'm running or doing anything, I'll have a podcast yep. in that's yep. associated with that. Yep. I've I found it's a little bit uh, more of a struggle with moose hunting as it's not as much widespread information as deer or elk because just not as many people do it essentially. Right, right. So luckily I have a, a buddy that I've had on the podcast before, Adam Grenda, who lives in Alaska and I'm doing some consulting with him. Who's he does moose hunting a lot. And I'm like, I want to learn everything. So it's yeah. like, for me, it's like, all right, I'm paying all this money for this hunt. I'll pay somebody else to, to be able to help me gain some more knowledge to make that hunt, you know, absolutely you know, more efficient and, and go through that. And then the you know, last thing is really the gear aspect and, mm -hmm getting it all laid out, packing my bag, making sure I know where everything's at. Uh, is my first aid kit stock that I used something before that I right. didn't, didn't have and, and are things expired and just kind of going through and, and even just brushing up on those, those skills because I, when you don't use them, you forget them pretty easily. Oh, they're, they're, uh, what's the word? Uh, everybody else is not diminishing, uh, perishable, they're perishable skills. If you don't, if you don't stick with them and use them, it's like shooting your bow. You know, if you set it down for a few months and pick it up, it, yeah. it's like, whoa, it feels weird. Yep. I mean, everybody knows that feeling. So, um, it's, 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 you're doing everything right. My opinion. I think it's, it's great to hear that. I wish more people had that mentality because, and I, like I said earlier, I'm not like, I'm not a fear monger yeah. at all. I don't, you're not, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call you a prepper, like from the, the way that it's, no. <laughs> people think of preppers sometimes, you know, guys in their basement where they have all this stuff stacked up yeah. and it's like, I wouldn't consider that being. No, I'm not that at all. <laughs> I, I've, got, I've got a truck with a topper and a deck system and it's, it's full of like, no matter where the day takes me, I'm like ready to go. Yep. And I love that. I like the idea of not only taking care of myself and the people around me, but come across a strand of motorists and you can help them or like, that's cool. That's the way humans should be. I think, I think, you know, uh, another stat I always kind of preach on is, is, uh, Freud was, was most famously credited with talking about survival, the fittest, but what he spent most of his time on was the power of community and how humans only got through anything working together, whether it was like bringing on a woolly mammoth or an invading army or anything like that. Mm -hmm. And now we have this society where like, I think statistically it's like 80 or 90% of the people in the United States don't know their neighbors. And so it's, and then you wonder why there's so much craziness going on, right? Like we don't have community anymore. And I think a way to do that is to look out for each other and take care of each other. So if I can, if I can be of service to somebody, that's, that's going to pay it forward in a lot, in a lot of ways. And if we can do that at scale, I think it's, it's really meaningful. So I just think it's a great way to live and a great way to be. And it, it doesn't mean you're fearful. It doesn't mean you're a prepper. It doesn't mean you're hoping for an earthquake. It's just yeah. like, I think you should live a big life and you should go push yourself. You should do hard things. And sometimes, sometimes you might break a leg Yeah, and that's okay, but just be ready for it. Yeah. And, and you know, you're, you're spot on. And like, I want to experience as many things as I possibly can and trying to, to do all those things. And that's not, and, and, I know when anybody listening be like, wow, you, you know, you must have a lot of time on your hands to be able to go through that. And it's the, the reality of it is no, I don't. But like you, you find time in these little, just, it's just little things all the time that add up. I'm not yeah. sitting there, you know, going through all these things in one day or a week. And, and it's just like, 
five minutes here, 15 minutes here, you know, like doing while you're doing a workout, all this stuff. And like, I'm always jotting down notes and stuff. And I have like, oh, yeah. whenever I have a trip, I have just a random, I call it like brain dump Google docs of like this trip and anything I randomly think about, I'll just throw a bullet throw point in there. in there and then I'll go through and, you know, categorize it a little bit more later and get those thoughts. But I just try to dump everything I'm thinking about on paper or on your phone or whatever, to be able to, to think about that. And what, what is, what's your kind of, uh, you talked about a little bit, but your process, like preparing for a hunt or you're going on some sort of adventure there. Control the controllables, right? Like the thing you can control is how good of a shot you are. Yep. You can control how good a shape you're in. You can control how well your boots fit. You can control having all those maps downloaded. Yep. So no matter what, you're like, I know where I am. I know I need to go. Um, when, when you start controlling all those things, there's less uncertainty. And for me, less uncertainty means more success. So I will, I've done hunts where I've literally laid out gear for a month ahead of time in my basement. I've got it all laid out and I'll go downstairs after work and I'll look at it and be like, eh, I'll swap these socks out for different socks. Yeah. Maybe oh, that's too many socks or maybe I don't need that much under or whatever. And I'll just keep doing that and doing that and doing that. And I mean, honestly, when I pack up to go, I'm still uncertain about things, but I've given it so much thought and consideration. I'm pretty darn close, I think, to a good solution. Yeah. Like, I know some guys, they just pack the night before and boy, that you're going on a moose hunt in Alaska. That is a massive investment of resources, time, money, energy. I mean, that's, that's a, there's a lot going into that. Yeah. The last thing you want to do is get to 250 yards on the trophy of a lifetime and miss because you didn't shoot your gun enough or or get to 50 yards and miss because you didn't shoot your bow enough or you hadn't figured out how to control your adrenaline. So you got to do those things. Yeah. Just just anything that was in your control, just have it second nature. Yeah. And and then from there, enjoy the adventure. Yeah. No, man, you're spot on. Like this Alaska hunt is like, that's, that's something that takes, you know, another level of preparedness because I can't just go back to my vehicle. I'm getting dropped off at a lake, you know, like there's, and, and getting your meat home and planning your travel to get from the airport to the, where you're flying out of. And there's all these little things that have to come to it. And you can't just start the night before and, and do that, you know? And I, but I I would argue you shouldn't even do that. Like you said, even if you're just going whitetail hunting or whatever, like I always like to have my bag packed ready Mm -hmm. and go through my gear. I practice with it. So I'm not going in in the dark and fumbling around stuff, you know, whether it's something stupid, like I'm not actually getting hurt, but I could potentially screw up the hunt or do something because it's something that I could have controlled by just having a little bit of preparedness with, with doing that task. And I, and that's so, it's just, the more I do these things and the more hunts I get to do, which I'm so thankful that I get to do those things, but it require it's easy to start getting lax with it. And when you start doing it to, to just try to make sure you go through your system and, and plan all that stuff out. And the, and the trick is being really vigilant about that because you're going on a moose hunt. You're, you're excited about it, thinking about it for a long time. You're going to prep for that one. But going out to the, the tree stand that you've sat in a hundred times, you can put your guard, let your guard down. Yeah. And uh, I find that most times that's when something happens. I, you know, pretty famous story in my life. My dog almost died ski touring with me last winter and I was able to patch him up and get him down. But we ski tour almost every morning and he's almost six years old talking hundreds of times, yeah. you know, we ski toured and never had anything happen. And then one day he almost dies. And it's, it's kind of like that. It's like, you're going to your same spot over and over and over. It's, it's almost like if it, ha- it it's like, let's say the chance is one in a hundred and you've done it 
85 times. Well, yeah. guess what? Now it's one in 15. Like yeah. it, it might just happen soon. So that's something else to consider. Yeah. No, it's and and like, so I was talking about it. Um, uh, Jason, uh, founder of Timber Ninja. So he had come out with this product. He has a safety background too and mm-hmm. doing this stuff. But like when you're hunting from an elevated position, it was like, okay, you know, harnesses or your saddle, like that's going to prevent you from falling to the ground. But what do you do if you fell off and you can't reach your stick or you're just hanging there? Now you have suspension trauma. And it was something that you just clip onto your thing. It pops out and it's a little ladder system that you can use with your foot, get in there and stand up and take that pressure off and get to a point. There's these little things you don't think about with something as simple as just going deer hunting and having, having those, those, those thoughts with it. And it's just, there's so many little things that can help you in that and all of that realm. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, I mean, we love it because it's wild and it's the back country and it's nature, Yeah, but it's also wild and it's the back country. (laughs) You know, there's, there's yings and yangs to everything. And so, like you said, there's, there's, there isn't a sportsman's warehouse probably where you're going moose hunting. No, like, within no. striking distance, you you have to be thoughtful and take everything you can in there. What about all right? So here's so going back, we talked about a little bit earlier about vehicles and mm-hmm. you know kind of your everyday stuff that you're carrying in vehicles. Are there any things that stand out to you? I'm not going to ask you go through every single thing, but things that that you believe that everybody should have in their vehicle, especially you know sportsmen, women that are like going out and doing things. Yeah, so I'm trying to remember that the top three things by a long shot that happen or that are like vehicle emergencies is you run out of gas, it's a dead battery, or it's a flat tire. That's like 90 some percent of all car problems. Mm-hmm. So do you have an extra spare? Do you know how to change it? Do you have a patch kit? That's one, um, you know, battery. Uh, we sell a thing called the Zeus. It's a little jump starter. So jumper cables are great. You just, you need somebody else Yep. with this thing. You don't. So I think having one of those, it should be a no brainer. Yep. You, you come back from the trailhead. You've been hunting for five days. You left a dome light on. And now it's your battery's dead and there's no, no cell service for miles. Like that's a real problem. And one of these guys, it's, it's actually 20 seconds. You pop the hood, put it on, turn the key, you drive away. So that's, that's an important thing in my opinion is making sure you can always start your vehicle. Um, and then gas, I mean, you can carry extra gas. Just, I, I tend to think you should never be below half a tank if you're really going somewhere where there's, I mean, I don't care if you're going on the freeway and you're you know, next exit's 80 mile, like fill up, just, just, yep. just keep it topped off. Those, those three things are going to get you a long ways. After that, it comes down to traction devices, visibility, uh, you know, in my truck, um, I haven't done it yet with the truck I have now, but I love winches. I have one on my side by side and I've been stuck before with just, there's just no other way to get it out, but you can wrap the thing around a tree and pull yourself out. Like that is, that is a nice tool to be self-sufficient. Yeah. Um, invisibility is a big one. Uh, I've got, I've got some really bright lights on my truck cause where I live, it's pretty steep on both sides of the road driving in and elk and deer run across all the time. And I've, when I first moved there several times, I almost hit them. So now I've got these floodlights that they aren't road legal, but when I'm driving home, I can turn them on. Yep. I can see animals coming from 150 yards instead of 20 yards. Yep. It's just, it's just doing things like that to put yourself in a position to be able to respond. So those things for me are really important as far as what's in the kit. I mean, I've got a full survival kit. I've got toe straps. I've got, I've got stuff in the cab. I've got stuff in the back, uh, and kind of everywhere, but that's, that's who I am in this world. Um, but I, I do think, I think some good first aid, I think the right tools, I think traction devices, things like that are important, but it really comes down to the season. You know, is it cold? Do you have some extra blankets? Is it, is it, the middle of summer and it's a hundred, you have extra water. It's not rocket science. Just think about what you might need and, and 
the car has a lot of room. Like, put it in there. Yeah. Be ready. And, and think about where you put the stuff, too. So this is something that, I, that I've learned was, like, I so in my truck, I have basically three different kits that are in there. I have one that stays under the back seat that I can get to no matter what I yep. can get to quickly Good. that has my first aid kit and, uh, it has my jump starter pack in it. And I'm trying to think what else I have in that, but it's just like simple things that I don't have to crawl my truck bed or mm -hmm. like do, or maybe, you know, you're at a place where you can't even get into that portion. So it's like, or you have a whole bunch of gear stacked in there or whatever. It's hard to get to. So I have that there. And then in the back, I have one that's like kind of your, either self-recovery or recovering somebody else. You know, I have a high lift jack with their like uh, come along kit that goes along with it to be able to, to utilize. I got extra toe straps. I've got different hooks that go into your, um, into your receiver to be able to, to hook up to and D rings and just right. things like that, that you can get out of it. And then I have just like my, you know, ones that you probably don't need as much. Like I've, I carry, I keep a little electric chainsaw in there in case there's a tree down across the road and you're back awesome. in somewhere or, you know, and then just a regular handsaw that I have and, and an ax and just little things that, that I try to think of my specific scenarios and where I'm at and what that, you know, applies to somebody else. It might be a little bit different, but that's the, but the winch thing, first of all, guys love winches like if you don't like a winch they're just fun yeah, yeah. they're just cool <laughs> uh I, I i'd like to get a winch on on my truck um but the my workaround for the time being has been like the come along system yep. and having that but i don't love that my new tundra doesn't have tow hooks on the front which i think is the dumbest thing ever to be able to have a recovery point so it's like a winch is kind of your option with that unless i would were to replace the bumper but yeah um big steel bumpers are fun too yeah that's cool too <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you have, i got a long list of things when i get a little more money that i'm gonna do that truck but i'm i'm with you right there yeah um yeah i mean i, I it would take me a long time to go through everything in my truck but yeah it, it sounds like everything you've got there that's right i've got all those same things and uh yeah but but also it just depends on where you are and what you're doing. If you're out in nature, you you want axes and saws and things like that. If you're in an urban environment, it might be something different. So yeah. it's really specialized for people and how they live and where they're going. And do you have kids and do you have medical needs that are personal to you? And you just, one of my favorite quotes is the best camera is the one in your hand, right? Yeah. And I would say it's the same thing with your first aid or anything like that. You can have the best stuff in the world, but if it's not accessible and usable, it's it's like you don't have anything. So yeah. just have the right stuff in your hand because it's going to make a big difference. Yeah. Stephen Drake has said that before. Like I've seen him, you know, we're, I took a photography class with him before I knew him years ago. And, uh, he's talking about cameras and that's everybody's first question that wants to get into photography. He's like, what camera, camera. should I get? And he's like, if you, whatever's going to be accessible, he's like, if you don't have it right there, readily available, there's a clip on your pack or whatever, yeah. then your iPhone's probably your best bit. And like, what do you mean? It's like, cause that's what you're going to use if it's there. But if it's tucked down in your pack, you're not going to be able to, exactly. to, to go through and be able to, to use that. And, and that's, yeah, I don't know. I, just, I've, I found that that was like, that's so applicable in so many other. And that guy gets moments, doesn't he? Yes. Yes, yeah. he does. He's, some of his photos, I'm just like, how did you get that? Yeah. But, no, you're, you're, you're spot on there, but I, I don't know. It's just like. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. 
The Mobile Hunters Expo is a consumer-based hunting show unlike any other. It provides an interactive learning experience where you can try all things mobile hunting and learn from the best in the business. Come experience an unbiased, community-based environment where you can improve your hunting skills and find the right equipment for your needs. I'll be speaking at the Nor'easter Show in Mannheim, Pennsylvania at Spooky Nook Sports from August 9th to 11th, 2024. So come check it out or either of the other shows in uh, Michigan and Georgia. You can purchase tickets online at themobilehuntersexpo.com or grab tickets at the door. I'll see you there. It's not, not all, like you said, it's not always about all the things that you have. It's knowing how to use it, accessibility of it. And just like, and a lot of the stuff for me has really come from just messing up or like finding these little twerks or, or tweaks and things. Like I'll go camping in the summer just to practice for the stuff. Just go truck yeah. camping. I'll yeah, just go sure. out and, and, um, you know, some public land that I have near my house and just go out and go camping and just bring all the stuff that I probably don't need to go there, but just to, use it and you know yep. use your stove and when i go on long trips i always take a five gallon uh jerry can of gas with me i'll keep that with me and then also an extra thing of water and then i always keep uh water purifiers in my truck too so just yeah it yeah sounds like a lot as i'm saying it but it's really not the kind of you know it's really not and like you know if if, if you're interested in this stuff like not to a shameless plug but we've built these kits for you you can mm-hmm. buy one of our kits and you've got you've probably got 95% of it and then you just go, okay, what else do I need for my personal situation and add it and go. What your kits are cool is like your, the one, and I apologize. I don't know the name of it, but it's like the dry bag where you pull everything out. 72. Yeah. And it's got like everything labeled exactly the emergency food and like everything that you would need if you were to be stuck somewhere. Well, when I started, when I started this business, I looked at kits that were out there. And again, I said earlier, I like to reverse engineer from the time of emergency there are some people that train and practice and get ready for these things and they know where things are, but most people aren't going to spend a ton of time thinking about how do I navigate this emergency situation and then this one and this one and this one. So what happens is you get, and that's where the name uncharted come from, comes from. It's like if you're somewhere you haven't been, and it's not a fearful thing, but you're going to find yourself in a situation where it's like, geez, I, this has never happened before. And adrenaline spikes. And when adrenaline spikes, your vision gets narrow and you start making bad situations worse. So <laughs> with all of our products, there's really clear instru- like step-by-step instructions for all sorts of things. It's all color-coordinated with the pockets. Like one of my favorite things to do when I'm showing off the 72 or the 72 Pro is we call it the insert. That's the, the organizer that sits inside the bag. But I open it up and I go, okay, grab, like, you need first aid. And I always watch everybody's eyes go right to the red pouch. Yep. <laughs> and that eliminates seven other pouches you know, and so right away that now you're making the situation better. Yep. You're not digging through just a backpack full of stuff, looking for that one thing and your stuff scattered and disorganized. Maybe it's getting dirty or wet. It's like you go right to the first aid. And if you can start stacking those little wins, that helps your adrenaline calm down. It helps you, you just start seeing clearly, making better decisions. And that's, so that's a really important thing that we focus on is not just high quality gear, but guiding people. Like I, I want to be like, a hand on somebody's shoulders. Almost like you're there with them. Yeah. (laughs) Going, okay, step one, do this. Great. Okay. Now step two. Like that's my goal with our products is to, so if you've never been outside before, you can go, okay, I did that. Now what's next? Okay. I did that. Okay. Things are getting better. You know, the bleeding is stopped or whatever it is. Yeah. No, no, you're exactly right. And, and, and also just to, to let everybody know here, like 
Christian and I, Christian and I are buddies. Like there's, I'm not sponsored by Uncharted. None of this stuff. Like I just really like what you're doing, yeah, the products it. that that you're doing, and what the the use case uh, scenario is. It because again, I've been not in like any really bad situations, but in situations where I see these things helping. Like even like okay, you pack a pack to go anywhere. I like to organize things, so I have a bunch of little bags of gear that's in there. Make sure those color bags are different than what your first aid kit is. <laughs> so, like, you're diving through. Yep. Yep. It's like, okay, this is easy. And I always keep my first aid kit in the lid of my pack or on an outside pocket versus down where my kill kit is at the bottom. Because I don't I don't need that kill kit until I shoot something. At that point, I'll tear my whole bag apart. Right, I don't care. Right, right. You know, but it's like and it's the same thing with my rain jacket. You know, they're in places that usually with my first aid kit, easily accessible, being able to get it. Make it simpler for, for yourself. That's such a good point when people are packing for hunts or thinking about this. It's like, think about the use case. You're hiking. Oh, crap. It's raining. Yep. Like, the best thing you can do is stay dry because once you get wet, you get cold, right? So you need to get that rain gear on fast. Yep. So is it in the top of your pack? Is first aid in the top of your pack? Water. Probably don't need food in the top of your pack because if you're eating, you're probably going to stop and take some time and you're comfortable and you're calm. I don't know. I don't think up. I agree with you on that, man. I like, I I like having my food easily accessible. <laughs> no, I'm just I, I mean, keep some snacks nearby, but like yeah. the, big, the big, you know. I'm just kidding. <laughs> big ready meals and everything. Like, I, you know, this thing's like the sleeping bag put in the bottom, you know, yep. things like that. So the, I always think about that. And, I, and, and without fail, every time I'm on a hunt, I, I change what I thought was going to work based mm-hmm. on what's happening. It might be really rainy or it's just dry out. So, well, okay, I'll put the rain gear a little deeper this time. Yeah. But it's, it's just stacking skills. It's stacking experience. I think half the fun of like, like I love being successful on a hunt, but I just love, I just love being out there in the animals, in the nature, like feeling it, hearing it immersing yourselves in it and and you just you gotta enjoy the process right yeah that's what i'm getting to like well it's the gear i mean you buy all this gear have fun with it play with it yeah, see what works yeah, yeah get to know it it's it's the way i think about things yep no i i love that man and uh the, the last one, one piece of gear i want to i want to bring up and something i may be taking with me to alaska is your your raft yeah because that's like i i feel like that is my favorite thing to see at total archery challenge and you have the booth set up mm-hmm. and you're filling up that raft. So talk a little bit about yeah, that. Yeah. It's my party trick. Uh, <laughs> yeah. so the, it, we call it the rapid raft and it weighs 3.8 pounds. Uh, it'll hold 400 and inflates. I've done it in like 25 seconds. I probably had a little bit of a breeze going on. You can inflate it really quick and doesn't require any tools. So if you're going on a big pack raft trip, this isn't the raft. It's not a huge raft, but if you're going to Alaska and you got to pack game out and there's rivers, you got to cross a little play. It's so great because there's a very small weight penalty and it's really, really, really durable. So as our company has become more established and people trust us more, we're selling more and more rafts. But when we first launched it, people were like, they didn't know what to do with it because they didn't believe us. I think they thought it was a pool toy. But the backstory is my buddy, Seth Carlstrom, who's a designer in Bozeman, he's designed for all the big brands. Um, they came across a military request for a way to get across irrigation canals in Afghanistan for the military. So really quick, how do we get across this really fast and pack it back up and be lightweight? What ended up winning the bid was like a bridge system. But Seth's approach on this was this raft. Yeah. And he spent a lot of time on it and it was just a, it's, it's really brilliant, but it didn't get picked. And he's like, what do I do with this thing? And he's showing it to me. And I'm like, I think we can change this a little bit and use it with uncharted because it's very much a survival tool. If you have a high water situation or a hurricane, but it can also be very much an adventure tool. So 
We worked for a year making the, the material more durable. So the raft is, the, the material is like eight times more stretch and tear resistant than the competitors of the same denier, which is like the thickness. It's just, it's a really tough little raft. And um, yeah, at, at Total Archie, you just walk out there and you take this little, it looks like a, looks like a small loaf of bread. Yeah. You roll it open, you just scoop some air and you roll it and you have to do a couple puffs on the one-way valve and you've got a fully inflated raft and people just can't believe it. Um, but it's, it's a really cool product. And again, I, I like to do things with Uncharted that are different than everybody else and kind of solve for things that people aren't solving for. And that's just a classic example. It's a, it's a really cool thing. Yeah. And I, I want to say for the whitetail hunters that are listening here, you know, water access has been, has grown quite a bit in this space and things. Sometimes it's just crossing a river and it's like, you don't want to lug a canoe down there, or do anything, things that are like simple like that. I yes. could, again, I haven't used it, so I can't say that, but it seems like that would be something that would make Absolutely. a whole lot of sense. It's yeah. Like, whether it's getting yourself across something or you tie a long lead on it and you've got a, like, let's say you've got a river, you can walk out or a big body of water and you can put two, three, 400 pounds in that thing and you don't have to carry it. You know, that would have been really nice for the, the deer I shot in 2020 when I had to take it across this river. And I, I, I took paracord and I tied the antlers to my belt loop because I, the, it was going flowing pretty good. Just drug it. And I was like, listen, if, if this deer gets swept away, I want to go with it. Like, I'm not, like, <laughs> I, this is, I, it's, it's probably not a smart move, but I was like, this is the biggest deer I've ever shot in my life. And I need to get across this river. That would have been nice to throw it on a little raft that I could inflate. And, yeah. uh, bring it across. Oh, let go of the deer. Yeah. Never. No, I'm not doing it. <laughs> He's too big. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Um, no, it's, it's a fun tool. Um, yeah. you know, we build a lot of stuff that, you know, for me and you're probably the same, like the gear's fun and I like to have gear, but at the same time, like I want to move fast. I want to feel free. I don't want to be weighed down by a ton of stuff. So when we build stuff, I'm always like, how do you make this? So it doesn't flop while you're running. How do you make it? So you forget you have it on yeah. because I think we would all love to just run through the fields with like some shorts and a bow and arrow, yeah. you know, and just, just be old school, but that's not the reality of, of how we do things. But I'm trying to get to that feeling as much as possible. Yeah. And I'm, I, I balance the, the gear junkie in me and then mm-hmm. trying to keep things simple and at right. the same time, but it's, uh, it's a tough balance. Gear's fun. Yeah. It's so fun. It is. And, I, and a lot of times I've found like, I'll try to like, I'll like a piece of gear and I'm like, where can I use this versus like, yeah, where, yeah. you know, probably the right way of doing it is like, okay, I have what a do problem. I need? What right, do I need right. for it? But oh, I do that too. I walk in and it's like, <laughs> it's funny how you never have considered some kind of product and you just see it in the right presentation presentation and then it just doesn't leave your mind yeah well as i'm saying that like, like i was talking about your raft i'm like i'm picturing the spot that i scouted i'm like oh man i could either walk in three miles or i could walk a hundred yards to the water <laughs> get across and i'm right there and you know it's just like you start thinking of these things in your head and that's it's, a big it, difference yeah it's yeah funny. for sure but um what, what so christian what do you is there anything else you think that you'd want to leave uh the audience with before we kind of close this out um boy you know, look, we're, we're a small business. It's, it's my, my life savings is in this thing. We're grinding hard. Yeah. Um, I just appreciate, you know, the spotlight you're throwing on us. And if people come by, if we're at a total archery event or wherever, just come say hi. I, I'm really proud of my team. We work really hard to make good stuff and also provide education for people. So whether you see us in person or find us online, if you've got questions, hit us up. We're trying to be helpful. We're trying to do something, you know, meaningful and, and that's our goal. So if you've got ideas, if you've got questions, whatever it is, like we want to be interactive with people and, and understand what their needs are and, you know, the things they're trying to solve for and trying to be the best brand or 
company we can be. So that's kind of it, man. I, I just, I really believe in authenticity and, and doing the right thing. And it might be a slower grower, slower grower than, than doing it the other way. But yeah. that's what we've really tried to do is just be really thoughtful in what we're making and, and really be core to the audiences that we're familiar with. I mean, we do a lot of hunting stuff cause I, I'm obsessed with hunting. Yeah. So, but it also makes better product because I understand it. Yep. If I was making gardening tools, I probably wouldn't, yeah. wouldn't be so good. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I, I think that's it. It's pretty simple. Um, come say hi, come, you know, come check us out. Give us a hard time if we're not doing something right and we'll, yeah, get better. <laughs> That's uh, it's it's funny at these these events. Uh, we we do enough uh, shit talking with each other that uh, <laughs> if you have any any sort of hurt feelings, I think I think all of us have some thick skin out oh, yeah. doing this stuff. Oh, yeah. So yeah, yeah. G- give it give it to Christian if you see something wrong. Yeah, but so. Uncharted Supply Co. What Instagram, Facebook, all the social channels. Mm-hmm. Um, UnchartedSupplyCo.com. Is that right? That's correct. And yeah, I mean, look, we we spend a lot on digital ads. If, yeah. if you type in my name or Uncharted or yeah. Uncharted First Aid or Survive, we're going to show up. So. Yep. And then uh, definitely sign up for the, the email newsletter for the, yeah, the, the pillars. pillars. Yeah. I think that's I think that's super beneficial. I love email newsletters that have substance to it. It's not always just an ad. It's got something right. that I could take from it. There's, you know, ones I love and I try to make my own that way too with, with my East meets West one, try to make it something that's like, okay, people are getting some value out of it. Um, just yeah. My perspective is like, there's four topics. You, you, three of them might not be interesting to you, but yep. I'm hoping one is yep. every other week. And if you can acquire a skill every other week, boy, in a year or two years, you've, you've really changed your position. Yeah. So. Well, I'll put all the notes uh, to the links and everything in the show notes here. But, Christian, thanks for coming on, brother. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah. See ya. You bet. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit eastmeetswesthunt.com, Facebook at East Meets West Outdoors, and Instagram at East Meets West Hunt. If you enjoyed today's episode, please review and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time.